business of drag and me with your host, the wonderful Brayden. We'll talk about taxes. We'll talk about business. We'll talk about life. Spill the tea. See you there. Hello, friend, and welcome back to the Business of Drag podcast and YouTube show. As always, this is your host, Brayden. And today we are continuing our intro series on all things law, tax, finance, and getting your business set up and organized. Today we are covering back taxes, which I know is a scary topic. But based on the conversations I've had so far with drag queens and other professionals, I know that this is a very uh, common issue and topic that needs to be discussed. Now, remember, I'm walking you step-by-step through my book, Unfuck Your Biz. Uh, I cover back taxes in chapter nine. So if you want to learn more about what we cover in this video, you can always grab a copy. Uh, I also have trainings on back taxes inside of a bonus course that you get access to when you join my course, which is called Business of Drag Basics. If you want to learn more about that, you can, uh, I kind of have a, like a workaround that you can go through to get uh, like a super special rate on it. If you go to my website and download my bookkeeping template, then you will uh, get dropped into a special signup page where you can get the full course for $30. Technically it's two courses. So we have a little book on that as well, which is all about back taxes. So without any further ado, let's get into it. I'm gonna be doing a little bit of a read along for some sections of this because you know, sometimes when you've already done all the legwork, it's like, why reinvent the wheel? You know what I mean? So let's talk about our back taxes. So here's our introduction. All right. So first things first, I want you to check in on your current tax situation. How are you doing? Put yourself in one of the following categories. Okay. So one of the following categories, uh, one, I'm absolutely crushing it Two, I'm doing pretty okay. Three, I'm paying quarterly taxes and keeping my books up to date, but my systems could likely be improved. Four, I'm not paying quarterly taxes, but I filed my tax returns on time each year and don't owe any back taxes. Five, my tax filings are up to date and I'm already on a payment plan for back taxes. Six, my tax filings are up to date. I owe back taxes and I currently don't have a solid plan for them. And seven, I'm just point blank period behind on taxes. This video is going to be really helpful for you in particular if you answered five, six, or seven of those questions. If you answered one through four, you probably don't need to like listen to this video like super, super closely, You'll but you'll be ready to skip ahead when we get to the next parts. If you answered number five, you're going to want to like quickly pay attention to this video and make sure that you're on the right track. So with that in mind, I want to pop up here on the screen uh, a visual that the IRS actually gives us. This is called the tax payer roadmap. And you can see it looks like a convoluted mess. It kind of looks like the New York City like metro system, but maybe even more complicated with more stops. But I just want us to broadly look at this. Okay, so we have tax return preparation, processing, exam, all these different areas. And I'm going to put the link in the description for where you can find this roadmap. Because if you currently owe back taxes, despite how confusing this may look, this roadmap may be your best friend. So let's zoom into a particular area. Okay, so the cool thing about this roadmap is when you're on the IRS website, you can actually zoom into particular sections. So just for an example, 
let's zoom in to this broad area that says collection. It's the red part. And then if we look even closer, we see uh, one kind of caution symbol that says notice of intent to levy and right to a collection due process hearing. So we can click on that. And then there's going to be a box explaining what that step is. So we'll pop that up on the screen. And what this is doing is if you get a letter in the mail from the IRS and it says letter 3172, you can put that in the search box uh, on this website, or you can find it in this roadmap and click on it. And then when you do that, it's going to tell you what the letter is, uh, where you are in the process and how you can respond to that letter. So that's super helpful. Um, it's always good to work with a tax professional. Well, I shouldn't say well, it is always good. It's not always necessary or worth the money that you're going to spend on it, if that makes sense. So you can use this roadmap to figure out where you are in the process. And what I mean by that is uh, how close you are to going into collections. And I'm going to dive into that more in a moment. But first, let's go through an abbreviated version of what this back tax system and process looks like. So I've made my own much simpler chart. We'll pop that up on the screen. And you can excuse my amateur graphic design skills. We're going for simplicity here, not beauty. So this is essentially an overview of what our tax system looks like with the IRS. So you prepare your tax return. That's the first box. All right. So tax preparation, you hire a tax repairer. Maybe you do it on an H&R Block, TurboTax, one of their competitors, whatever. You, you prepare your tax return and you file it. And then it goes into processing. So it gets processed. Now let's assume that it processes perfectly fine. You have no issues and you're owed a refund. You get your refund you're done with your taxes. That's the way it works for most people, right? That's what we're hoping. Alternatively, maybe you owe taxes. So they process your return. They're like, great. You pay your tax balance. They say, thank you. And now you're done. That's the end of the road for a lot of people, whether you get a refund or you owe. Alternatively, if during processing, they see an issue, they come up with an issue, you may be sent to exam which essentially just means that either a computer or a human person is going to look at your return to try to find an issue. And if they do find an issue, they may then send you to collection. So maybe they say, you know what, we don't think you should have been allowed to take this deduction, or we found that you had missing income. So we're going to send you to collections now to send you letters to collect the tax that you owe. You also will be sent to collection straight from processing if you get processed, they determine your return is right, but you just don't pay the tax balance. So that's how you get sent into collections. And collections, you can imagine what that's like. It's like collections for any other kind of debt, except that the IRS, um, A, they actually, if you can believe it or not, they tend to be a lot more patient than private debt collectors because they work for the government. And so they are not here just to uh, like harass, harass us. It probably feels like that if you have debt with the IRS, but um, we all are entitled to due process, right? So they're going to be a little bit more patient, perhaps. And they're also, I should say, but on the flip side, they have a lot more options when it comes to collecting from you than non-government agencies will have. And we'll talk more about that in a little bit as well. Now, we also have appeals and litigation. Um, these are steps that you would go through if your tax return got examined and you don't agree with the result. Okay, maybe you got pulled for an audit. The auditor says you owe X amount of money. You don't agree with that. So you're going to appeal. And they have the option of whether or not to accept your appeal. 
and then if you don't like the results in appeals, you can file a suit in tax court against the IRS. And this is kind of, it's kind of like small claims court. It's kind of like Judge Judy. It's not super formal. You don't have to have an attorney to go to tax court. But at the end of the day, we're talking, this is like real down the line. This is probably now a couple years after you've uh, gotten letters from the IRS that you would make it to tax court. So we're not going to talk a whole lot about uh, appeals or litigation in this video. Instead, let's talk a little bit now about processing. So during the processing phase, the, this is where our IRT comes in, IRT program. That stands for Information Returns Program. So reflect back in our earlier part on our conversation about 1099s. I shared with you the point of us sending 1099s is so that the IRS can match deductions with income, right? If I hire you to do a gig, I pay you $2,000 cash, and then I want to take a business deduction because maybe, you know, it was like a holiday party that I hired you for or um, a brand photo shoot, whatever. I'm going to take a tax deduction and then I'm legally required to send you a 1099 in order to be entitled that, to that deduction. And then the IRS is going to expect for that 1099 to show up on your tax return. And if it doesn't, that's pretty easy for the IRS to find because that's all computerized through their information returns program. And that's how an issue could pop up in processing and you could go straight into collections for that. And really all that means is they're gonna send you a letter uh, with a particular number on it that says, hey, you didn't report this 1099. So we're gonna estimate that you owe us X amount of tax. And most people say, okay, yeah, that's fine. Here are your taxes. So that's how that works. Uh, other types of informational forms are K-1s. So a K-1 is similar to a 1099, but those are issued by payment processors. So if you collect a lot of money through PayPal, uh, Venmo, I'm trying to think of other examples, those are the big two. I don't know about Cash App because I, I don't know if Cash App technically has uh, a, like a business program, but Venmo, PayPal are the big ones. Stripe, so I get all of my payments through Stripe. So I get a 1099K from Stripe every year. Those need to be reported on your tax return as well. So my quick tip on that is whenever you go to file your taxes or give your forms to your tax repair, go and look at every place where you take payments to see if you have a 1099 because they don't often actually mail those to you. You have to like log in and download them, okay? So one thing I've noticed uh, or I've been told I should say is that a lot of a lot of bars and a lot of other places that are hiring drag professionals don't send 1099s, usually that's a them problem, right? So if they owe you a 1099 and you don't get one, you are legally required to report that income anyway. If you don't get the 1099, that's kind of on them. It's not really on you. However, if you're expecting 1099s, it's not a bad idea to ask if they're going to send them to you simply because you don't want to file your tax return early and then get those 1099s after the fact then you have to go amend your tax return. It's a huge pain in the ass. And I do not want that for you. I personally think that a lot of people that are hiring queens and other performers and not issuing 1099s are doing themselves a disservice. They're doing you a disservice because uh, things are just not being handled the way that they should be. And that has a domino effect in a lot of areas, but that will probably 
and most likely will be a topic for another episode. I also mentioned that an IRT, so this information returns program, can result in you getting a letter. If you didn't report a particular tax form, that letter is often uh, what they call a CP2000. And a CP2000 is simply a letter saying, hey, we expected this form, we didn't get it, here's the amount that you owe. My only note on this is don't always assume that a CP2000 is correct because the IRS sends them out wrong all the time. What often happens, so I also mentioned a second ago that it's possible that you could have already filed a return and gotten a 1099 later. If that's the case, uh, maybe you never got the 1099, you could respond to that CP2000 and say, hey, I actually never received this 1099 from this person, but I actually did report the income. So no, I, I do not owe taxes on it. You can ask for an abatement over the phone if you call the IRS. An abatement's just a fancy word of saying like, knock out that tax. I don't actually owe it. And they may be able to do that for you. They may also request for you to respond in a formal letter. That's kind of your best case scenario for a CP2000. They may, although as I noted earlier, require you to file an amended tax return. So those are just some quick tips. All right, so now let's talk about our exam square. That is the orange one. This is where we think of, like you probably think of IRS audits. You're like, wow, that sounds terrifying. I don't wanna deal with that. There are three types of audits that fall into this exam area. One is a correspondence audit. Uh, that just means that they're gonna audit you via letters. It's just, so it's like a back and forth, which is great. Most of us don't wanna talk to an actual person from the IRS. That is um, kind of the least serious type of audit. So if you get pulled for a correspondence audit, don't freak out about it. Um, hopefully you're going to have everything that you need to respond to those letters. The second type is an office exam, which is where you're going to go to the IRS's office. You're going to bring all your tax documents with you and you're going to hash it out at their office. And then the third is a field audit where they're going to go to your place of work. Um, solopreneurs, freelancers, those types of folks like you and I, we don't get pulled for field audits very often. Those are usually much more serious for much higher levels of tax debt. Um, typically think you've seen movies where they have like federal agents going into offices, taking all their boxes out. It's not even really that serious, but think more of that scenario. Large companies that owe a lot of money or um, people who are maybe trying to intentionally hide their income would get pulled for a field audit. If you happen to get pulled for a field audit, that's when you would probably want to hire a tax attorney, but we're not going to worry about that. It's probably not going to happen. Okay. I, uh, in the book, uh, I do go into a little bit more detail about audits. We're not going to talk about that in great detail here. My only note for you is this is where our bookkeeping and our systems and processes really come in handy, right? To do our tax return, we have to do enough bookkeeping to know how much money we made and how much money we spent. But we don't really need a lot of other organization. We don't have to have receipts to file our tax return. Those receipts we keep around in case we ever get audited so that we can prove the deductions that we had. So when it comes to an audit, it's all about being highly, highly organized. So just keep that in mind. I also noted earlier appeals and litigation in our flowchart. Those we're not going to talk about more here. I do discuss that in this uh, bonus course that you get access to, like I mentioned, when you join Business of Drag Basics. So finally, um, let's talk about collection because collection, when it comes to back taxes, are our most important part. Because if you're watching this video, 
with the thought in mind of like, oh shit, Brayden, I do owe back taxes. You probably are in collections, which is what's prompted you to watch in the first place. So there are a few ways you could end up in collection and I have them highlighted in my book. So I'm just going to read through it real quick. Um, you could end up in collection if you owe taxes and you do not pay the tax when you file. You could end up in collections if the IRS makes a swift assessment, probably through the IRT program, like we mentioned with the CP2000 and you do not pay right away. You also could end up owing through the examination process. So if you end up being audited, they determine that you owe money and then you don't resolve that through appeal or tax court, or you do when you still have a balance, you could end up in collections. So that's why if we bring up the IRS roadmap, once again, you see collection in the middle and there's like all the arrows flowing out in all different directions into and out of collections. That's why, because at the end of the day, all these different steps are there to determine how much tax you owe. And if you end up owing, you're gonna go into collections. So when we're in collections, the IRS is typically gonna send us a series of letters. So I have some sample letters uh, here in the book, the CP14 example that we have for John and Mary Smith. This is what the letters will often look like. It has the notice at the top, so I noted earlier that in our flow chart, you can look and see where you are in the process. That's going to be based here on the notice number in the top right corner. You can see this notice says CP14. So we could go look at the roadmap and see where the CP14 is. We also have on our letter the amount due. So on this letter, it says... Uh, our records show you have unpaid taxes and penalties and interest on your 2017 1040 amount due $1,075.21. If you already paid your balance in full, uh, please disregard the notice. If you already have an installment or payment agreement in place for this tax year, then continue with that agreement. If not, they're obviously going to want you to pay. So this is our letter. I also have a timeline, so we'll put that up. This is a quick timeline notice of the summary. So we have CP 14, 501, 503, 504, CP 90, and a letter 504. Now in this book and handy guide, I go through what each of these letters are. I won't do that in the interest of time for this video, but just you can see I've kind of color-coded them. Obviously red, that means things are getting very serious and they're close to levying your bank account, which means that they can just automatically start taking money out of there. Now, don't worry too much because the IRS actually has policies in place that they cannot take all of your money. They can only take a percentage that they've deemed will allow you a, a livable amount to live off of. And then there are ways that you can actually um, pause that levy to get on a payment plan, okay? So you have a, lo a lot of options before we uh, necessarily need to get into freakout mode, but they do. You can see the yellow uh, on this chart. These are all kind of like warning letters, like, hey, you owe us money. And then letter two is things are getting a little bit serious. You still owe us money. That is how that works. Now, if you've never filed a tax return with the IRS, they also, we they have this thing called a substitute for return or an SFR where and this is really confusing if it's happened to you before, because they can actually file a tax return for you. So if they get 1099s or W-2s on your behalf and you never file, they're going to create a tax return for you. I don't know why I'm using air quotes there. 
but they're going to create a tax return for you with the balance. And they're going to call that your substituted return. And then they're going to send you one of these letters telling you how much you owe. Don't automatically assume that that letter is correct or that return is correct. Just like our CP2000, you're not going to assume that it's correct because typically they're not going to take any deductions for you, right? So if you're getting a lot of 1099s for business, they are not going to complete a Schedule C for you and estimate what your business deductions are going to be. So a substitute return is almost always going to say that you owe more than you actually owe, which is when you would want to hire a tax repairer to go back and do those redo those returns to say, hey, IRS, your substituted returns are not correct. Here's our updated returns. Here's our balance. And then you're going to get on uh, probably a payment plan to pay them. Speaking of payment options, there are several ways. Once you determine how much you owe, there are several ways that you can pay that. So your first step is determining how much you owe, right? And you do that by amending a previous tax return, arguing with the IRS to contest what they say. Lots of uh, kind of steps that go into that. Once you determine your actual balance, your options are pay in full. So if it's, you know, if they say you owe $600 and you have the $600 or you can get the $600 within a reasonable period of time, it's best just to pay it just pay it and be done. The next option is a monthly installment agreement. This is what most people are going to do. So let's say you owe a few thousand dollars and you can't reasonably pay that off within a month or so. You're going to want to do an installment agreement to pay it off on a monthly basis. Some other options, bankruptcy, not something to take lightly. That's a pretty serious step. But if you have a lot of debts, it's something to consider. You, want, you would want to consult a bankruptcy attorney for that because bankruptcy um, has a lot of benefits, but also serious ramifications, not something I'm an expert on. Currently, non-collectible status is something you can request from the IRS, which just says, hey, I don't have the money right now. And uh, the money that I'm making, I need to pay my rent and my absolute essential expenses, food, groceries, bills, all those kind of things. So can you pause your collection on this debt? Um, if you can prove need, they're pretty amicable in agreeing to that. An offer and compromise is something you can do where you owe a fairly significant balance in comparison to your ability to pay. And I talk about that more um, in Unfuck Your Biz as well. So you can check it out there. But this is a really, really great option. I used to volunteer at a low income taxpayer clinic where we would file these for low income individuals all the time. We would settle, you know, 3,000, 5,000. I even saw up to 50 and $100,000 in tax debt for a few hundred dollars that would be paid on an installment agreement. But you, to qualify for that, you really have to show that you just don't make enough money to ever pay that balance off. Um, so those are your general options when it comes to paying down these tax debts. So a little bit more on installment agreements. Um, there are different types of installment agreements. You don't really need to worry too much about those different types. Just know that some installment agreements are basically approved like automatically if you don't have a lot of history with tax debt up until now, and you're able to pay it off within a relatively reasonable amount of time. Like within a year, if you can pay it off within a year, uh, then typically they're just going to automatically approve it. If you owe a lot more money, um, so where we see this is we have 
people who are on paper fairly wealthy, but maybe they have a ton of expenses. They've just mismanaged their money pretty severely. They have, um, so I, I like spoke to an individual one time who had hundreds of thousands of dollars in tax debt and their like average spending was about $30,000 a month to the point where this woman said, well, I have a $5,000 a month, like kind of shopping budget. And she didn't want to give that up. And obviously if you try to get on an installment agreement, with the IRS, that's not going to fly and they're probably not going to approve it. So you, it was like a Lucille Booth kind of situation, if you can picture that. So that is our breakdown on back taxes. Now, hopefully you found this helpful and interesting. It wasn't meant to be extremely comprehensive, but just meant to give you a sense of direction. The whole kind of point of my framework on Fuck Your Biz is that we have to untangle the messes that have been created before we can kind of, before we can start fresh. Right. So I taught, I taught you about tax basics. Now we've talked about back taxes. You want to get a system to get your back taxes under control. If you owe them, you want to get on an installment agreement and get all of that figured out. And then once you've kind of cleaned up this mess, it's a good time to start fresh. Okay. My, I did have one more note on back taxes actually. And that's when it comes to installment agreements. We want to think about the fact that you're paying back taxes, but you also likely still need to be saving for taxes on your current income. All right, this is really important. Otherwise, what I see happen is people will get on an installment agreement, but they don't save for current taxes. And once they get an installment agreement paid off, they end up owing taxes for this year, next year when they file. Hopefully that, that made sense. So then they have to get on an, another installment agreement. And it's I call it the oh shit cycle because it's just a circle that continues. So what we need to do when we figure out how much you should be paying to the IRS is figure out how much you need to be paying for current taxes and then determine how much you have left over to pay for your back taxes and use that as the number on which you base your installment payments. So I know that's a little bit confusing. Um, inside my courses, I have guides and everything that walk you through that. Of course, if you become a one-on-one -on -one client at Drag Tax, we can help you with this on a more one-on-one -on -one basis. And if you have, if you have questions, uh, go to my website. You can set up a uh, free, like kind of discovery call um, because I know back taxes are a little bit scary, a little bit serious. They're not something that you maybe just want to like drop a comment on YouTube about. Although feel free if, if you want to do that. If you have any questions, comments on this video, uh, drop them in the comments. If you're watching or if you're listening in the podcast app, thank you so much for doing that. As always, make sure to like, subscribe, leave a review, all those things. It's all helpful in order for me to get this out to more individuals. So thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. I will be back on the next one to go through our small business blueprint, which is going to share with you how to actually set up your business structure and get all of your licenses. When you're ready, I will see you there. Hi everyone, it's me, Rockin' Soccer for the cast of season 12, RuPaul's Drag Race. Do you need help doing your taxes? Of course you do. You're stupid, but you're pretty. You might be a drag queen and you can do dips and splits and all of that other stuff. You can grab a dollar, two dollars, but are you paying Uncle Sam? If you don't know how, you need help. And that's why you need Business of Drag. That's right, you need Business of Drag. Taxes are a drag. Tune in for help from a pro. All right, all you drag performers out there, Taxes are stressful. We all know tax season. Taxes are stressful, stress causes wrinkles, and filler is not deductible. Hire us for help. You need it.
You really, really do. Hey everyone at home! Ooh, there goes my titty. That is not adorable. Okay. Hey everybody, it's me, Rockham Sock from the cast season. Ooh, sorry. Hey everybody, it's me, Rockham Sock from the cast season 12 of RuPaul's Drag Race, and I'm here to tell you that if you're stupid and pretty just like me, you might need help on your taxes, because taxes are a drag. But you need to tune in for help, oh, motherfucker. I, God damn it, I got this wrong. Okay, one more time, sorry. Hi everyone, it's me, Rockham Sock from the cast season 12 of RuPaul's Drag Race. You guys, if you're like me, you're beautiful, absolutely gorgeous, stunning. People run down the street just to get a look at you. But you're also insanely stupid and not good at doing things like math or handling your money. That's why Business of Drag is here. Taxes are a drag. Tune in for help from a pro. Might I add, taxes are stressful. Stress causes wrinkles and filler is not deductible. No, no deducti. Hire us for help. You need it. Business of drag! Pay your taxes. Pay your taxes. Pay your taxes. Or Uncle Slam will do do a split on your throat, metaphorically speaking. Do your taxes. <laughs>